Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off this cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. In case you've forgotten, last decade we were called London is Blue podcast. This decade, still called London is Blue podcast. Dan, I don't know if you noticed this, but... All these podcasts were doing like these in memoriam, a decade in review. And they're like, this is our last show of the decade. It's like, it doesn't matter. You're going to be back in a week. You're going to like, everyone made it seem like it was such a huge finale to this end of year thing. It's just same old us. We're just still doing our thing. We were never going to leave. We're, we're not that sentimental about things here. We are very much, it's business. There's another match. There's another episode to record. We're back at it. Hangovers be damned. Full. Work requirements be damned. We are here, Nick, and we're ready to record. <laughs> yeah, just by the skin of our teeth. Um, speaking particularly of myself after this morning's um, migraine, um, not good. But um, but yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, it's only if you know only as if we put together 120 episodes of uh, podcasts uh, over the last year, and what 300 and some, almost 400, Dan, for the quote unquote decade. Uh, asterisks we started in 2014 so uh just a casual casual number not a big deal very very close to 400 you know we 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 missed it by a little bit but you know what that's what the next decade is for gives us something to shoot for something else to look for we can't accomplish everything in the first decade otherwise we have nothing left to (laughs) to hang out and talk to all you fine folks about uh but obviously look this year's or this episode's theme as we get into business nick is uh, new year, same problems, 
that's a Dan special. So if it's not if it's not as sharp as what I would typically put out there, uh, just go comment to Dan. Well, you got, you gotta make sure that you really enunciate the fact that there's a question mark at the end. It's because it's a question. New Year, same problems. <laughs> Tell you what, there's nothing mm. better than to start the year off with an in, than an inquisition, a, a a little self reflection to see what the hell do I need to change in 2020, and here we are with Chelsea. It's been a roller coaster of two months, win lose, win lose. Nothing seems to be really getting us going. But look, we'll talk about a lot of that. We'll talk about Chelsea's bright start versus Brighton at the Amex Stadium and how they've made life difficult for the Seagulls, including an impressive performance by Chelsea's new tank, Reese James. Make me cringe watching that. And then we'll talk about how the attack floundered and left us hoping a single goal would be enough, but obviously it's clearly not. And then lastly, what changed and how Graham Potter worked his side into a share of the points and how Frank's substitutions really didn't help things. So before we get into that, we have a lot of thank yous and offers for you. The first one being from Apple Podcasts, Dan, shout outs. Yeah, two Apple Podcast reviews on a short turnaround. These are the individuals putting in all the minutes during the holiday season. Kit Cornish and SN Chicago, both with five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We thank you so, so much for doing that. We always appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. So continue to rate and review. We appreciate it. And if you do so, the next episode that we record, we will give you a shout out. Back to you, Brandon. All right. And for Patreon, uh, again, no new names. We just want to plug that the badges or pins, if you're American, uh, are supposed to be arriving next week. So uh, we'll have some really cool photos and some stuff to kind of launch and show you guys what it's about. Again, that is a reward for all of you. Uh, who are at the $5 or above tier supporting us. We want to give you something tangible that you can wear and be proud of. And especially if any of you have gone to matches in London or Europe, home fans don't wear the home kit. That's just not a thing they do. Instead, they wear these badges as a sign of who they support. They call it, uh, you don't wear the colors, which is the opposite of what we do here in America. So uh, it's a really cool way to... um, you know, show your Chelsea pride in a much more kind of cool and chic way. Um, so yeah, Nick DNA series. It's, it's officially live. It's at, at time of recording. It, it's, it's real. It's tangible. That is correct. We are, we are really excited. Have received some awesome feedback so far. Uh, if you haven't uh, heard and somehow skipped our social media feeds over the last few days, uh, we have released, uh, starting with our episode of Bobby Tambling, a four-part Chelsea DNA series. Um, you know, this this kind of idea was born out of a, a quick conversation with our boy Joe Tweeds, and then we kind of took it and ran with it. Um, we talked to Bobby uh, for about a half hour. He was really gracious with his time. Uh, kind of walked us back in time a little bit, Brandon, to the 50s and 60s and how he was a youth player and how that youth uh, revolution that they had with Sexton's Ponies and and the teams of that decade kind of mirrors our current situation now. And uh, just sharp and eloquent and, and funny, uh, just really, really awesome. He even talks about how Chelsea, one of the first teams to use the overlap and attack, is really, really fascinating. So... Uh, I think all of you that are subscribed in the podcast network have seen it. Um, and, you know, you can check out the animation, just the video version on YouTube. It was a ton of fun. Yeah. And we would just ask really quick, if you're if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, that's really great. 
could you just share it, retweet it, please send it to your friends and family. Like we're, we're trying something a little bit new here and we, we definitely want all of your feedback. We love doing player interviews. We wanted to do something um, different than what we had previously done with Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Willian and those guys. So um, as you're taking a peek at this or, or listening on your way to work tomorrow, just uh, let us know how it is and, and we'll keep rolling. Right. And the more you share it, uh, the more the club are willing to give us access to those things too. So it's also, it'll help serve you better because they want to know what works. So if you like it, you have to share it and tell them you liked it so that they'll mm-hmm. continue to do things like that as well. So uh, Mason Mount, Fakao Tomori, Aaron Cuthbert, all coming soon. Keep your eyes peeled for those. Uh, and then just lastly is, again, hey, we've got scarves still. We still have a handful. If you want them, uh, we've been retweeting and posting them pictures. If you want to see what they look like, uh, let us know. It's on the website as well. Uh, $20 anywhere in the U.S., $25 anywhere internationally. Dan has been playing Santa Claus over the holiday time, shipping these things all over the world. People that get them seem to really like them, like the quality, like the design. It says only team to win a European Cup, all right? Only team in London with the European Cup, with our logo. It is brilliant. So, again, uh, we still have a handful of left, and we're getting asked every day, so they are going to be out soon. All right, match review time. Here we go. So let's jump on into the Brighton and Hove Albion match review. It was a Premier League match down at the Amex Stadium. <sighs> Chelsea's last fixture of, no, first fixture of the decade. We got to flip the script. Everything went from last to first. Here we go. Get excited. New year, new me, baby. Uh, <laughs> from a goals lineup, is Aspie oh, Lequeta. That was so, that was so corny. Oh my God. Well, what, you going to be New Year, same old you, Nick? Uh-oh. Yeah, that's exactly who I am. I like Whew. me. Because he's it's... perfect in every way. <laughs> Slippery slope, dangerous game. No, 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 honestly. Um, so, yeah, Aspie, all right, is getting the goal today. Uh, captain uh, in the 10th minute, all right, surprising us a little bit. Uh, so we'll go ahead and roll that clip. Headed it down. Abraham got a foot on yes. it. And then, as uh, as the game went on more or less comfortably, 84th minute, Jan Baksh, Jahan Baksh, Ali Reza, whatever, the overhead bicycle kick, 84th minute, killed our dreams and hopes, run that one. Oh, spectacular effort, what a goal. Absolutely incredible to get Brighton back into the game. All right, 1-1. Dan, lineups, what? More more tinkering. Lampard the Tinkerman. Here we go. Oh gosh, please. That's not that's not what we want to use right now. Uh it's Espl- uh sorry, so we saw Espliqueta, Zuma, Rudiger, and Reese James ahead of Kepa Aretha Blaga. Jorginho and Conte started in our midfield two. Polisic, Mount Willian as our midfield three attacking three ahead of them. And then Tammy Abraham up top. Unused substitutes of Andreas Christensen, Willie Caballero, Mishi Bachwai, Emerson. Uh, Tarek, and then use substitutes of Mateo Kovacic and Callum Hudson-Odoi. Only two subs. Interesting. Um, so, oh, you know, top-level stats. Chelsea, 16 shots. Same with Brighton. Might surprise you. Five shots on target for Chelsea. Same for Brighton. We dominated possession with 53%. And then fouled. We had 15 fouls. Got to love that. Three cautions to their two cautions. And then a handful of offsides and a handful of corner kicks. It's just weird, Nick, when you look at that 
the lineup and the stats combined and the scoreline. I mean, I'm sure you have an initial reaction to kind of just how all of these ingredients added up to the final product. Yeah, I would look at fouls and, and yellow cards, I think. As the game went on, it got sloppier and sloppier for Chelsea. Legs were clearly going um, as, as we kind of went on. And I think, you know, compare the 15 fouls, you know, to, to maybe some of our earlier matches in the season when, when we had fresher legs, um, you're, you're probably seeing a, a lower number there. But, yeah, I mean, I think this was this was a game I, I took for granted, I'll be honest with you. I, I thought, you know, given the fact that we saw Chelsea, you know, demolish Brighton 2-0 uh, when we were in London, uh, and they were incredibly poor, I think one of the worst teams I've I've seen uh, Chelsea play. Uh, I took this one for granted. I thought we'd run shop again, and it just uh, just didn't happen, Dan. It did not. And I think when you look at the expected goals, it actually tells the story that 1.3 for Brighton, 1.3 for Chelsea, pretty much a wonderful adaptation to what Frank and our players were trying to do by Potter. And ultimately, they found a way to adapt accordingly survive and are probably thinking that they were unlucky to not take all three points at the very end of the game so here's the difference real quick on the on the xg map which again we can post on instagram so you guys can follow along with us we scored our best chance right big square inside the six converted our best chance you look at brighton side of it they converted their least likely chance Right, an overhead bicycle kick going away from goal off a corner kick. That's that's what they scored, and it's just it's so frustrating to see that. And I get you know, it, it, like knowing that we both had sixteen shots and five on target, like we were neck and neck with Brighton. It's just, that's not what you expect from this team. We just beat Arsenal, beat Tottenham, but we've got these terrible losses along the way, and. I think that's a lot of what we're going to cover as we get into this. The first one specifically being, while Brighton started with a midfield diamond, it was clearly outshined by the performance of one player in particular, Reese James. He had a ton of space out there, attacked his space, was used as a weapon. Dan, how did Rolls Reese look today to you? And what exactly did he take advantage of? And I, you know, maybe kind of gave you the answer, but be your own man. Well, it's 2020, and uh, much like in 2019, I will be my own man and say that Rolls-Reese or Reese James was extremely potent in the first half. I think when the goals were in that diamond, they were really relinquishing all the space in the wings, and you got to see Reese James full of pace, athleticism, ability to stop quickly and to change direction, high-level mobility. Uh, and then also just breaking players in half just by bouncing into them. Um, it's like if the bouncy house was, you know, instead of it just being wonderfully pleasant inside, it was affixed with like metal spikes and to uh, just bounce into them. <laughs> uh, not pleasant, not pleasant to bounce up against Reese James as uh, Byrne found out. But I, I think he looked really sharp, uh, was putting some good service and delivery in. And I think, you know, was more challenged along with the rest of the team in the second half, Nick, when they restricted that space, when they changed their formation, went to that 4-4-2, really were putting two tackers up top. And I, I think also as 
you know, William maybe got a little tired as well, just didn't have the interchange in front of him appropriately to allow him to take advantage to the way he did in the first half. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I actually think as as the game went on, he definitely looked like a guy who hadn't played in a couple of weeks. Um, and not that he was our only problem on the day. He, you know, there were there were a you know legitimate number of of issues, but. I think one of the tactical flexes that I was surprised to see is that you know, William was kept on for the entire game again. The dude's putting in incredible minutes um, and is, you know, it looks leggy, you know, again. And I was surprised that Lampard didn't switch him over to the left and bring Callum on um, to, to play on the right and try and uh, try and safeguard Reese a little bit more because William wasn't making it back to cover as much. And when they had a more traditional 4-4-2 shape, Brandon, you know, where they had a traditional winger out there and they were putting in service the two strikers, um, it, it seemed like Reese got lost on a couple of those overlaps a little bit. And, you know, for, for all of his, you know, for all the praise that we can heap on him in the first half, um, I think he and the rest of the team didn't really adjust um, as, as good in the second half. Right, and it, <laughs> we'll we'll definitely talk about that. Um, you know, when Potter started making some changes and things like that, you know, it this is a great setup for Reese. He doesn't have to do a lot of defending. He has a lot of space to operate in. I mean, if there's one thing Reese James is going to do, is he's going to attack space, and that's what we love to see about him. Um, you know, statistically, he he had the best day ever. Um, you know, I think Aspie saw some good success out on his wing as well, but that is because they started in a midfield diamond. Um, we 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 were there for the Brighton home leg. Well, I, I mean, they only had one shot on target when they played us at home at Sanford Bridge to our ten. R- right. So you've kind of got that to play off of. It's like it was so different, and like we have fixture congestion. I don't, I don't know. It's just the, like going and playing these small teams, you know, like I said, uh, is, is great for Reese. It gave Aspie some space, but it's just it didn't click for everyone. And I think that Reese probably took advantage of this more than others because um, he wasn't on the bench coming off injury. He's still fighting for his place in the team. I think he, you know, he's a guy that's competing. Nick, when you think about, um, you know, Joe Cole and Lampard and everyone saying that, you know, our most successful years is because you had to fight for your position every single day. Um, you know, Reese is out there fighting for his position every single day. And you see that today because he got a chance to go run at him and he ran at him. It's great. Right. And, you know, the, the numbers kind of back it up here, right? Um, won 100% of his tackles most uh, on the team. Won 12 duels, by far the most on the team. Uh, won four headers, uh, which was the most. Completed 100% of his clearances, 100% of his dribbles, which was the most on the team. Uh, made a block and four interceptions, second most on the team, and then made a key pass. So, I think Dan, you were actually talking about in the first half from the from the Pod Twitter account. Uh, once our attacking players uh, catch up to uh, his placement and speed of pass, uh, he's going to be even more lethal. Right. It, it's all about just reacting and anticipating, you know, because we've had a couple of matches over the holiday or even just the season as a whole where the cross delivery is uh is there's no tracking id like fedex right it's like a dhl delivery and you're wondering when it's going to get there 
Like Reese James is FedEx. He's delivering it. There's a tracking number. There's receipts. There's a signature confirmation. That ball is where it needs to be. And once Tammy, once Christian, once William all kind of get up to speed appropriately with where those balls are, are going to be, uh, especially in the space where there are no defenders, that's going to help us, particularly with these teams that try to hang a little bit more back because we can try to run with speed and complete those runs behind that are going to be a little bit more successful and helping us break down some of these teams that maybe are going to go a, a little bit more defensively, try to do a little bit more of the low block that we've struggled to, to break against this season, Brandon. Yeah, look, like, you know, this is kind of the recurring pattern with these, you know, as the game dragged on, the feeling started to take hold. One goal, probably not going to do it today to get all three points. And then chance after chance by the attackers just weren't finding a spot in the back of the net. Tammy shooting above uh, over the versus the layoff. Pulisic firing wide. Mason taking an extra step. I mean, what, if any, fix is there for this problem, Nick? that Frank is running to with inconsistency? Is it because of this low block that Dan just talked about? Is it the way that the quote-unquote smaller teams set up against us? Uh, I mean, so there's a couple of things. Like, I I think it's totally reasonable to tip your hat to Brighton today because this was not what West Ham did a few weeks ago, right? Like, Brighton actually did want to play football and, and very well could have won the game at the end if not for some uh, some heroics from Kappa that we'll get to in a second. So uh, I, I think, you know, when we say low block and on, in the context of this podcast, it is typically uh, a way of saying that a team does not come out of their defensive shape. They always have nine behind the ball. And, it, you know, we basically live in their half. This was a much more open game. We only had 53% of the possession. Um, clearly, you know, Brighton came to attack in the second half and made the right adjustments. So I think it's fine to set that to the side. And then also note that Frank is kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't right now. Uh, I feel bad for him, honestly, because to me, you, you win a huge match against Tottenham away, right? Next match, you come home and lay a complete egg. Um, then you go and beat Arsenal in, in one of the, the most thrilling matches of the season, you know, beat your crosstown rival and, you know, after the game, do the, do the big team, you know, walk up and celebrate with the fans. And then he can't get a reaction today. He can't get a reaction from the players. And, you know, again, I think there are, you know, a fair amount of people who might've been questioning Dan, his, tactical uh, nuances and and maybe the way he's setting up the team or bringing people in from injury, et cetera, et cetera. But he's changed it a number of times. He's changed the players a number of times. He hasn't always gotten what I would consider their best efforts. Um, And I think that is the thing that is sticking out to me right now and why we're not able to kind of inflict maximum damage. Yeah, the, the inconsistency is maddening. And it's maddening for us as supporters. It's maddening for, I imagine, the players. You know, you can see some of the obvious frustration that uh, Rudiger was expelling at times during this match. Kurzuma was expelling at times during this match. Tammy, you know, and when he was getting the ball where he was actually in position maybe to score. Uh, William not getting the service from Tammy. And then also with Frank, who's looking on and just getting frustrated and talking about it in in post-match press press conferences 
about where the the lack of maybe the fight or the resolve is in, in these moments and how it's not good enough. And I think to your point or your larger point about damned if he does, damned if he doesn't, there, there's two schools of thought here, right? He could go with his most experienced, Pedro Million, and then the narrative becomes, well, why isn't he playing uh, younger players? Yes, they might not be as, as proven, but we need to you know, get them accustomed to the Premier League, you know, higher likelihood of being here a long period of time. So even though it might struggle initially, we want to see them play. But then when he does that and plays young players ahead of a William or ahead of a Pedro, well, why are we playing those guys? You know, they understand the Premier League a little bit more. Yes, they might not be as consistent, but maybe they press a little bit longer. Uh, they're they're up to speed, kind of you know, physically at this point. They know the Premier League, and, and so it, it's you know he, Frank is on quicksand, right? Like there's there's no settled ground here, Brandon, for him to stand on when he's putting together these lineups. It's really about right now who's healthy because Christian just came back from injury. Reese James just came back from injury. Allegedly. Alonso is still on an injury. Allegedly. Oh, sick, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't go there. Don't go there. See a um, Yahoo Sports. Callum, you know, just coming back from a long-term injury and kind of working himself into the team too. So it, it's not a matter of like everyone is 100% healthy and available for selection week in, week out. Like this is the thick of it in the Premier League season. Like it is not an easy challenge for anyone. You look at what happened, you know, Tot- Tottenham lost to you know, to Southampton just today, Arsenal beat United. Like no team that is vying for this fourth place spot right now is having it any easier at this point in time at all. But I mean, I think, I think where I would be frustrated and, and I think it's all right. And we'll, we'll clearly talk about the table here in a second for Frank. To, to get, you know, I think Frank has a couple of problems now, Brandon, right? Like, he has to figure out and, and basically get it nailed on the next month of very winnable matches um, to kind of keep us in contention, right? Like, it's a very important month now. Um, more important by the game because we're not taking maximum points. But he has to figure out the right tactical setup for every match and, and get that nailed on or make the right adjustments in-game. And he has to figure out who who really really wants it um you know and to me i think that's a couple of things right it it could be you know for the for the middlesbrough match coming up it could be to say to batuai for example look man you're leading the line i want to see what you got because if you if you really want to unseat tammy as our number one striker through the end of the season i need to see more than i've seen when i put you up there you know previously right uh it could be to pulisic you know, hey man, like you were you were once our most dynamic attacking option, kind of falling off a little bit. What are you going to do about it? You know, it could be to N'Golo Conte, who's had a couple of kind of off performances for his standards. Like, what's happening here? And if not you, then I I got Ross Barkley here that wants to hopefully play, and we'll see what he has. So like, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm probably just rambling here, but to me, I I just don't know. It, well, I don't know because I'm not the manager, but like, I don't, I don't know what he has in the, in the coffers um, right now to, to make it any better. I, I just, I'm kind of confused. Well, so Brighton, they beat Bournemouth to nothing on the 28th. They lost to Tottenham two to one on the 26th on boxing day. They lost to Sheffield United, <laughs> excuse me, 
one nothing and drew Crystal Palace. So that's kind of their last five fixtures. So to give you perspective on kind of where they're at in their season, you know, I mean, to to Dan's point, this team is good enough on paper to roll Brighton. Are we more tired than they are? Maybe. But you would think that a team with Pulisic, Mount, William, and Abraham going forward can break down proper Montoya, Webster, Duncan, burn. I mean, it, it's just I. This is this has been Frank's thing. To your point, Nick, is that th- this is his kind of bogey situation that he hasn't quite figured out in the Premier League yet. <coughs> it's been a consistent problem. Breaking yeah. down these low block teams and figuring out the best way to go about it. It, it feels very much, you know, it, like doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, right? Um, he got, I, I don't want to say that he got outmanaged in a draw because that doesn't really, I, I don't think that makes a ton of sense to say. But Graham Potter clearly made some huge adjustments to what we were doing, right? What, you know, I think where you, you can point the finger a little bit and say, like, d- did we really adjust? Did we try a midfield diamond? Did we throw Batshuayi on and try and go two up top to occupy their center backs? Like, we brought on a like-for-like sub. Uh, we added a little bit of beef to the midfield when Kovacic came on and had a really bad performance in my mind. And then we brought on Cal, who didn't hit the target. I mean, it just it didn't really seem like anything worked today in any any real way, and that's... It's just a lot to think about for this team as as we head into an incredibly important month because then we got you know February around the corner and that's Champions League coming back you know so it's like all the effort and attention has to be on the league right now. No, oh, and this is the point of time where we have to be healthy. We have to find a way to get healthy and field our best eleven. And I think you kind of highlighted the fact there, Nick, that. There are plenty of players in this 11 that today might have to reflect and say, did I give a a 9 or 10 performance? And was my contribution high enough to help us be successful? I think Reese James can be very positive about what he did. I think Tammy, outside of the one decision, maybe not to pass it off, was putting himself in good positions, was bringing the team into the conversation when it came to getting back enough and being able to help hold up the ball and get it to someone else was help, you know, help bring it forward. We just really struggled with Christian with Mount and with William today in a way of misfiring that we haven't seen in some time. You know, at least one of them has hit, you know, in the moments kind of we need, whether it was Christian, whether it was William, whether it was Mount and none of them hit today. And that was a very, very challenging problem. Cause if, if Tammy's not going to do it, who's that, the highest total of goals for the season in the league at 12. Mount is on five, Christian's on five, Williams on five. They're the next logical contributors that are going to be the ones to put it into the net. And if they don't do it, you know, Jorginho is not going to get uh, a Leno mistake every time. And Golo Conte only scores in Manchester. And Aspi, without Aspi, we don't have a goal today, Brandon. Like that, that, that is, that right there is the problem. We're not able to score effectively and often in these scenarios we are putting ourselves in position the conversion is is just abysmal 
Right. And with the ASP goal is it wasn't clear cut. We didn't create it. Right. It was chaos and chaos on the box. So we, we, that, you know, you don't game plan for that. But we talked about that last week, right? Or with George Benson, uh, George Benson a couple weeks ago, shoot the, shoot the ball and see what happens. What, what if he does drop it? What if there's a block that kind of goes askew and you're able to have a tap in? Like mm-hmm. I, we don't, we didn't see that nearly enough today nearly enough yeah i mean to have five shots on target is unacceptable for this chelsea football club lineup it just doesn't make sense yeah one and three is not great as far as making target and obviously look they've got some big center backs they can essentially play with five in the back you know and things like that but it's chelsea we're playing brighton i know it's on the road not good enough brighton has never gotten a point off of chelsea in a league game before today i'm sure they haven't had a lot of chances either so Nine opportunities. Today's the day, baby. Damn goals. All right. We're going to take a real quick break. Uh, a huge thank you to the sponsor for financially supporting the show when we get back. Um, we're going to talk about Frank and his changes, uh, maybe some COVID chitch, some different things like that, some quotes from Lampard, uh, Dan of the Match, and a lot more coming at you. All right. So we we made it so deep into the match, up one nothing. And Frank had to try to inject some life into the side. And the substitution of Mateo Kovacic should have evoked a Mikel-esque vibe, also <laughs> known as the closer. The closer. You see Mikel yep. come on, you're like, wrap it up, here we go. Lock <laughs> it up. It was time to lock up shop, but it wasn't to be, sadly. The Croatian had one of his worst appearances of the season, and the other sub, Calm Hudson-Odoi, didn't impact the game either. Did Frank, get the, did Frank get the subs wrong, Nick? How did Graham Potter and the goals take us apart? It was kind of a two-part puzzle, so you can choose which side you want to pick off first. I'll take the uh, the opposition piece and, and let Dan talk about the subs. Um, I what, what I saw from Brighton is, one, I think they grew into the game. They clearly disrupted our passing rhythm uh, on defense, transitioned that really well into kind of long balls of the top or, or kind of threaded balls down either flank. And their strikers, when they brought on Connolly um, in particular and dropped Mope a little deeper, uh, their strikers were moving and confusing Rudiger and Zuma. Um, it just, it, it kind of was shades of, um, of what we saw against Southampton um, a little bit with things. And, you know, I think to me, Dan, um, not only was it, you know, hey, they, they turned it up a notch, they're clearly playing well, they have, they have uh, momentum, but they were, they were placing the ball with accuracy uh, in the final third, and, and we couldn't do that on the opposite end to save our lives. So I think it looked maybe even worse than it was um, just by comparison to what we were putting out offensively. But, I mean, you look at the end of the game, they had three clear chances to to put that thing away outside of the overhead bicycle kick that ends up getting them the draw. I mean, uh, if not for, you know, and it kind of kept us standing on his, on his head, it would have maybe been two or three, one. They responded well. They had the ability to work through the adversity of going down very early in the match. We didn't. We didn't respond appropriately. 
And for all of the hard work that was invested by the starting 11 in terms of pressing, closing people down, winning the ball back, pushing it forward, the inability to convert was a challenge. And I felt like, yeah, we might be able to pull this out. We might be able to put together a one nil. And that actually, to me, would have been a really positive milestone to be able to like really close down a one nil victory in this way. A way people are leggy. You don't have the best, you know, maybe your your preferred starting eleven out there. Let's figure out how we do that. And Kovacic came on and I felt like, hey, this is this is gonna work. This is gonna be, and then immediately gives up couple terrible fouls uh really it just looks about a half step off of everybody else so what do you do when you're half step off you try to pull and you try to grab and you maybe make a clumsy challenge and just it wasn't effective and we've seen Mateo Kovacic be brilliant this season one of the best season over season improvements on of anyone on this side and so he is definitely allowed <laughs> a, a moment or a match to deliver a little bit of a stinker but I would say as a whole, you know, Frank made these two substitutions and ultimately they, they did not improve what was out on there. When we took off Mason, we weren't pushing uh, as far back as we were. We weren't coming back from the front quick enough to bring the ball forward again and, and try to actually push Brighton back and make it difficult for them. We were allowing them to have space and time and you saw Conte struggling as well. You saw Jorginho a little bit of a, a challenge there too. We were just a half step off. And I I don't think there was anything else that Frank could have done, Brandon. Like looking at the substitutes bench, yeah, we needed fresh legs out there. You have to gamble on players. You know, Kovacic has been exceptional this season. So you're gambling that he can give you 20 plus good minutes. I mean, I, I think any of us would have said that's probably the safe and right bet to make. It just didn't pan out today. So I don't think... I would be upset or mad at Frank for making the subs. I just think we have to be very, you know, critical of the fact that the sub didn't impact. And that's not, I think it was the right player. The, the ex, the, their execution just, it wasn't where it needed to be today. Right. But so coverage is, I think, yeah, you chalk up to like, that's unlucky for Lampard on paper. That makes sense. Control the game, possess, <laughs> you know, have someone who will take care of the ball like Jorginho. Uh, the Hudson Adoy one though, you know, like that's pretty like for like with Mount in the sense of should be able to pressure, should be able to chase down the ball, should be attacking in space. You'd assume that like Hudson Adoy's role was to continue to press defensively, so we they didn't have time on the ball, and then to run at them in space to stretch them defensively and to really kind of create space for us, and it just didn't come off. And I think now we're seeing the difference that Mason. You know, the separation, I think, in quality that Mason has created for himself with his successful loans. Obviously, Calm is coming back from a serious injury, so there's no one's, you know, upset at him or, you know, expecting different from him. But I think that's what that's where Frank can be a little disappointed with Callum, is that it was such a big drop off from Mason. Uh, so I think I think the one change that I thought we might see because of what he is on what he did last season on loan was potentially pushing Reese into the midfield and taking off Conte and then bringing on Tarek and letting Tarek be right back run at pace you know we saw him go up against some really really impressive um 
you know, are not necessarily terribly impressive. I mean, they're Arsenal, but they you know, went up against Premier League opposition. The last match did really well with being able to kind of interlink. And then Reese is was just being a destroyer all over the pitch. So give him an opportunity to crack it from distance because he's he scored a couple that way too. I mean, that's just real quick. That's a really creative problem solving that Frank, I'm sure, is sitting there going, look, I don't have to get crazy here. We, we'll put on Callum, we'll put on Kovacic, Kovacic will hold the ball, Callum will press and, and hit space, and we'll be done. But, like your point though, Dan, it just didn't work. So I think Frank maybe can take that idea for the future and be like, I don't know if I want to do this again. He at least maybe has a plan B in his mind. Um, but I just want to point that out real quick, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, a couple of things. Like, Callum... While Callum is trying to sort himself out um, offensively and trying to kind of get his shot back um, and, you know, start dribbling people again, defensively is, I think, the reason that he's not playing. Uh, he he does not press with the same vigor that Pulisic, Mount, and William do. And I think that's just, a, you know, it kind of is obvious right now. Um, and, again, it's not... It, this is not me saying he's a bad player or anything like that. It's just I, I'm kind of looking at this from afar and wondering why haven't we seen Callum Moore this year? Well, I I don't I don't see necessarily the same level of of that you know as we're getting from Mount every week, and so maybe that's just the kind of easy reason to to assess. But I think on the on the other subs uh, point, I would have brought off William 65th minute. And put on Lamptey, honestly. Uh, we saw Lamptey play the right wing position uh, against Grimsby um, when we were there in, in September. Um, we and, and he was partnered with Reese in that match. Reese was playing right back. He was playing right wing. Uh, he would have had the legs to chase down some of those kind of longer outlet balls that were being kind of pumped after we felt some defensive pressure. And I think that's the only other one that I would have made. Um, again, it's putting him in a really hard position as a young player. So maybe that's the reason Frank didn't do it. But uh, you're going to have to rest William at some point. It's just it's not feasible for a guy to play every single minute of every match all season unless your name is N'Golo Conte. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that there is some creative problem solving, Dan, moving forward. Uh, on some of these, you know, kind of leggy players because, the, you know, there, there's just there's going to have to be fresh legs for us to make top four. End of. Well, we're we're already top four, Nick. We're still top four magically somehow. Somehow, somehow. right? I mean, yeah, Dan, take a quick spin on that. I'm pulling up future fixtures and things like that real quick. But like, how do we go unpunished? Like th- th- we are getting so lucky right now, and I'm not complaining, but it's just right. I mean, you you have Arteta winning against Manchester United, which pushes them back because we gain a point today, right? So we were you know four points variance. So now, uh, or sorry, uh, three points. Now we're four um, in terms of separation. You have the benefit of Spurs drawing against Southampton. Um, Oh, sorry, uh, th- like that was, you know, kind of wild for that to happen. You have a Mourinho with a brilliant line from the press conference that was uh, and then also getting carded for looking at the notebook. <laughs> um, you know, you have Wolves losing to Watford 2-1 and Watford went down to 10 men. I mean, it's like, how, how does it happen? Like it, it really it broke our way 
And at a certain point, we're going to have to say, you know what? Like we had all the chances in the world. If, if we don't manage to take the lead we have, build on it, create some additional separation so that we're eight points clear, 12 points clear, and can kind of coast maybe on that through some of the, the maybe the tougher fixtures where we might have to you know split a couple points with a, a top six team arrival, that would be a nice position to be in where we're not sweating bullets over what's going to happen against a Brighton. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, again, part of me wonders, you know, the two scenarios that are kind of in my head right now, Brian, I'll let you take a hack at these. Part of me wonders if we need to drop out of the top four to reinvigorate some of the spirit, like maybe it's just been too comfortable for too long. And because uh, United Spurs, Wolves, Sheffield, all seem to be losing with us or drawing with us that it doesn't seem real, the threat. Um, so that's one thing. And I, I hope that isn't the case, but with the young team, maybe they do need to feel some of that. Um, the other thing is for me, you know, we just made it through the most grueling stretch of the season, right. In terms of matches and congestion. Um, I'm wondering, you know, given the way that this team played against uh, Spurs with a week's preparation, if, you know, January might bounce in our favor again, and if we might have made it through some of the worst and and are on our way up again, I don't know that to be the case. But, you know, you, you look at a young team inexperienced at the toughest, you know, point of their season, um, you, you kind of just hope that, you know, we've, we've gotten through um, some of that. So just thoughts. And real quick, uh, it, we were at five points. Uh, we're at five points now. We were at four points previously. Just want to correct my earlier mistake because I was looking at an old table. The fact that we're not at 40 points just blows my mind right now. So we've got FA Cup. Past uh, four seasons or f- uh, five seasons, at this point in the season, the fourth place individual or team had somewhere between 42 to 44 points. Yep. We are six to eight points off of that this season. That tells you that we are, I think, pulling back. The larger thing to realize here is that the mediocrity right now from every team that is not Liverpool, Leicester, and Man City, it is, it's kind of infectious, right? You know, no, no one is having a better season. Everybody is having peaks and valleys. We just happen to be the one with the most points at this given time. Yeah, I'll run through the table in a little bit, but it, it is tight. So upcoming matches, you got Nottingham Forest in the Cup at Stamford Bridge this Sunday. No time off. Then six days later, you've got Chelsea Burnley at home. So then you've got a week of Newcastle away. Then you've got three days for Arsenal again at Stamford Bridge. That's January, right? So, you know, we've got essentially two more matches in the next week. And then you've got, you know, a week off for Newcastle. But then three days later is Chelsea and in Arsenal. So kind of to your, your one point, Nick, of, you know, when we had a week to prepare Tottenham, you're just not getting a lot of time where we have a week to prepare for games. So this team's going to have to figure it out, uh, which is why I'm excited that Frank Lampard is going to spend $300 million in the transfer window. It's going to be amazing. Uh, can't, January can't is going to be the best. Well, Jan- really quick, January is the reason I'm so focused on Why January haven't we signed anyone? What, what's going on? It's January 1st. It is. It is. Gosh. Yeah. The, re- the reason I'm so lightning focused on January is because here's our February schedule. Leicester away, uh, United at home, Spurs at home, Bayern at home, 
Bournemouth away. That's that's a murderer's row um, that we need to be more comfortable than we are right now to go into that confidently. So point point being, we need to win. Yeah. Uh, last one before we get into uh, the gaffers quotes uh, post match. Just that uh, you know, Keppa. I thought he he did well today. Uh, made some important saves. That one where he got low um, off of the corner kick and and parried it out. Uh, it's a good save. Um, that's also one thing he's better at the Courtois is he can get down and low much quicker than a taller goalkeeper. So as you as you guys continue to try to figure out whether you love it or hate it that he's five eleven on a good day, um, that's just one thing that you can can you know add to the tally sheet. But anything you guys want to touch base on him just um, as far as like a his his saves his shot stopping ability. It it looked. It looked a little quicker to me today. I don't know, Brandon, how you felt about it, but he got down really quick. Mm-hmm. He, you know, made some decent reaction saves throughout the match. And, you know, I think, you know, if not for him, much like you know the Watford match when when Ben Foster almost put it in, um, those are those are points just completely lost. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy for him. I hope that you know he keeps this up um, and and. I think he's been a little bit better distribution wise. So, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Mister Goalkeeper. Much better. We've had the <laughs> we had the conversation not that long ago of has he won us any points? I think we've had a couple of matches where we're like, yep, he's definitely either kept us at one point, kept us at three points, kept us from dropping points. Um, but it's probably not where we'd like. We'd want more out of him a little bit from a distribution standpoint. <laughs> He he definitely had a, a a bad go of it there. Um, it's kind of funny with the goalkeeper. The more you play, that sometimes the better it is for you. So I think that he's actually um, the less training you have as a goalkeeper, sometimes the better because it's just all match instincts and reflexes. And since he's in match after match after match, um, he doesn't have a lot of time to get into his own head. So I think that's actually been a positive for him, which is different than outfield players. Differently. All right. So uh, feel free to tell me on Twitter why I'm wrong, uh, and we can have that discussion. Uh, But wrapping this one up, let's go ahead and uh, play a quote here from Lampard and just get his take on this. So uh, if you are looking for um, video and quotes pre-match, post-match, head over to the Fist Stand app. That's where we got this. Um, And so the full interview will be there. Again, the Chelsea Fifth Stand app. Roll it. Funny game to categorise that. It was sort of okay. Some good stuff, some not. How did you see it? Didn't like it much. Um, first half an hour, the game was so there for us. And if we're going to be where we want to be, you have to be ruthless. You have to kill the game off at that point. All right, Dan. So there we go. You've got Lampard talking about not losing it and needing to be more ru- ruthless. Fair assessment afterwards? I mean, I think, does he sugarcoat? Or do you feel like he's a straight shooter? I think he's a straight shooter. I think he is as much Chelsea and is a, is a fan in the same way that we, we are fans and not winning and not being able to bring three points back in a match that I think he would tell us that they should win and, and did in fact say uh, that in not so many words. Like, he's pissed. <laughs> can read it on his face. He's not happy to be doing an interview where he's talking about a draw to Brighton. And he wants more from the players. He's demanding more from the players. And, you know, I think he's not going to be the one to throw anyone under the bus. He's not going to put any player in a bad position. Nick to have to respond individually. 
that's not his style, but I think he's he's putting the weight on them to to step up because he's going to be able to buffer a lot of the frustration that maybe people are feeling about performances uh, because you know my frustration is not with Frank. My frustration or where I'm kind of putting a critical eye more often than not is on kind of the individual performance and, and where wherein over previous seasons we did not build a squad appropriately to be able to be competitive, you know, three or four years later. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's right. Um, I, I'm also, you know, as much as I love players taking accountability and trying to um, re you know, just ensure the fans that they're doing all the right stuff, you know, Georgina right before this match <laughs> said, we have to stop being soft. We have to, you know, even though we're a young team, that's not an excuse, all this stuff. How many times have we heard Aspilicueta, Brandon, this season uh, say similar things? I mean, it, to me, we're not seeing necessarily the, the progress or, or the reaction you know, that those quotes should carry. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm most intrigued by as, as we move forward here is like words are great. And it's good to say the right thing and, you know, all that stuff. But what is this team going to do about it? And that's the thing I don't know. Yeah, a little little different opportunity to um, show us what they're going to do with the FA Cup. You assume with Donnie and Forrest and the way the season's going, there'll be heavy rotations for this one. It is at home, which is a huge boost. But uh, I think hopefully given a lot of the the main core players uh a full week to prepare. I think that's important. So hopefully that happens. If you have to bring someone off the bench, you do. But again, um, they talk a good talk. Now we need them to walk the walk and back it up. So uh, Dan of the match poll to round this Premier League match review up is... Well, with 71% of the Twitter vote tally, it is Kepa Aretha Blaga. The goalkeepers union stacked the ballot box. Reese James with 22% in second place. Tammy Abraham eking out a victory over right in, which was a uh, couple <laughs> other of random suggestions. Uh, Dave for maybe his hundredth appearance as a captain for Chelsea. And then also scoring the goal. Uh, you know, I, I can respect that shout as well. Hmm. Well, it's uh Yeah. Always not ideal to run man of the match polls when we drop points. But as the table stands, let it not lie. Liverpool are still in first place, as boring as that sounds. Um, but they have yet to play at time of recording. So they'll be playing Sheffield uh, soon. Leicester in second, Manchester City in third, Chelsea on fourth. So nine points. Or I'm sorry, eight points between us and City. City on 44, us on 36. Down to fifth is United on 31 points. So now we have a five put, we're back to a five point cushion uh, between fourth to fifth. Tottenham in sixth on 30 points. Wolves seventh, Sheffield United eighth. Again, they have a game to make up. Crystal Palace ninth, Arsenal 10, Everton 11, Southampton 12, Newcastle 13, Brighton 14, Burnley 15, West Ham 16, Villa 17, Bournemouth 18, Watford 19, Norwich City 20th. It's Arsenal creeping into the top half of the table almost. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and, uh, you know, after Everton's impressive run, they finally lost the game too. I mean, 
Again, their you look impressive at, run was one match, okay, under Ancelotti. Uh, they were unbeaten in, they were unbeaten in three. Um, I, I, I'm beaten in four, actually. Four, okay. So there it is. Uh, but you look at United and Spurs, you know, I think in this scenario, those are the teams that we're probably the most worried about. Um, Didn't you say we faced them February, too? Pretty, pretty big month for us, huh? Back to back, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Great, and we and we have Leicester before that away. And Bayern um, sprinkled in. Yep. So you know, again, we look at the table every week, and every week that we drop points leaves us less margin for error throughout the rest of the season. You don't want to get to a point uh, that you basically have to win out <laughs> to be guaranteed fourth place. You you want to do that anyway, obviously, and I'm sure that. You know, the team would love nothing more than that, but it's uh, it's razor-thin margins right now, Dan. Well, it is, but uh, highlight or silver lining, we still increased our lead by one point over Manchester United by drawing today as United, Spurs, Wolves all lost. So got to take the positives where you can find them. Yeah, we're going to take it and absolutely run. But that'll wrap up our match review, Chelsea fans. Thank you so much for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, Continue to get in touch with us. Obviously, Discord server through Patreon is the best way to keep the discussion going. We always have post-pod discussions in the Discord server, as well as all things Chelsea and football-related throughout the week. So if you want to get involved, head over there. Uh, But that'll wrap us up. We'll be back after the Nottingham Forest match this weekend. Um, so you have that to look forward to. Don't forget we have Chelsea DNA videos dropping Friday and Saturday. A lot coming at you. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.